We are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine of Tennis Bets Podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Soon to be more YouTube stuff up there. Still figuring that out. Under construction, as uh, as people say. If this is your first time listening, chance starts how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, returning champion, welcome back. With me, as always, is my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. Yo, everybody. I guess the last couple episodes, there's been tennis on while we've been recording, but we're recording a little bit late today. It's also no ATP stuff going on today. So I guess I won't be ripping on some player that I'm currently watching and losing bets for me. But um, currently in on the Heat and the Panthers, and they're both up one nothing. So I'm pretty stoked. And by the way, I'm not a Florida man. I'm just betting on Florida teams. Was that a series uh, parlay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus 900. So let's hope that it cashes. So if you hear me in a bad mood in the future, it might be because Florida let me down. Well, you mentioned no live tennis happening in the playback of the last episode. I was utterly delighted to hear the next <laughs> this next guy's emotion during some of the matches. Uh, <laughs> I was I, It gave me a, a smile and a chuckle, and I'm sure it gave anyone who listened to it as well we're going from california to canada here and we're going to welcome in mr john reed you can find him at jared tweets tennis he does betting content for his own brand tidbits tennis he writes for the action network betting expert hammer hq he does tennis form recaps john welcome in even though you are wearing a nuggets jersey and you stole that game last night in the fourth quarter yeah is that who's the announcer on espn that was just like, oh, the push is not a flagrant two. Like, can we get him off the damn broadcast, please? I put music over the TV. I was like, all right, you're, you're done. Like, you have made it very clear how much you love the Lakers. We get it. Now, just do your job and commentate the game. Come on, man. Was that Van Gundy? Yeah, it was definitely Van Gundy. Was it Van Gundy? I thought it was, I thought it was funny it was, last night. Like, just say you love the, the Lakers and move on, okay? Like, I don't like get these- back to the game. I don't like these five thirty start times out here with, with the series. I, I got to be uh, the single earbud in <laughs> dad life listening to Ireland uh, call the game. John Ireland, longtime radio voice. All I have to say, though, they've been putting the Nuggets broadcast on regular NBA radio for Sirius XM. And you talk about homers like most like, <laughs> local radio crews. Right. Are homers for their teams. But this is a specific their own brand of homerism. <laughs> On call there in Colorado is pretty funny, actually. Um, I always love the altitude broadcast during the regular season. What I when I when I watched a lot of NBA regular season, I don't as much anymore because uh, it's just to me a pretty terrible product. That's story for another day. But uh, I loved the altitude broadcast. Man, loved it. I can't remember the second guy, but Marlowe and, and something else. I man, talk about homers. Like even on TV it was like homerism to the max. It's nice to listen to once in a while, though. When you're when you're a fan of the team. Oh, absolutely. I, I love yeah. Sirius XM. I love listening to the local broadcasts. And I'll, I'll pivot into our tennis talk here and complain. I was thinking about this actually recently. Man, just get Tennis Channel like on Sirius XM, like the audio feed. Every other channel on cable is basically simulcast on Sirius XM. There's like zero tennis representation on Sirius. I don't understand why. TV is a little different from what you would hear on the radio because it's not necessarily play by play. Yeah, but they just right. play. They, they don't speak during the points on TV. Exactly. Radio, you yeah. would have to, otherwise it's too much dead air. So tennis on the radio, I just even ATP radio, their their app and whatever they had, they shut it down because it's just tennis ain't a radio kind of sport. It just really isn't. 
it, it is a visual medium. Like people, when, when people get into tennis, I'll have it put on at the bar during the U S open on like a Thursday night. I'll go in. It'll be 10 PM. The late session's still going. I'm like, okay, Jay's game is done. Like your Toronto sports crap is done. Like put on the tennis and you'll have regulars in there who haven't watched now a, a minute of tennis in the last year. They'll be like, holy crap, this is great. I'm like, yeah, man, it's because they make ridiculous shots and they're insane athletes yeah. and they're by themselves and got a problem solved. And, you know, radio, you just can't kind of show people how stupidly talented the, the, these players are. Well, I'm ATP hard... used to have that one like stream that you could listen to that was actually play-by-play where they would actually commentate each yeah. shot. And it wasn't all that bad. I think it kind of created some sort of energy that it was the match was trying to showcase and things like that. And it did create some sort of drama within the commentating. But I don't know. It seemed like that thing went by the wayside. But like what Dave's saying... Sirius XM could use something like that. Yeah, I'm going to hard disagree. I, I quite enjoyed ATP radio. It really helped me out driving around town, moving uh, the summer of 2021. Listen to actually in your home country, uh, Montreal. Quite delightful because I couldn't uh, stare at my phone like uh, I do about 80, 80% of my day. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was good in a pinch. I would love some sort of representation on Sirius with, with tennis. And there you go. That's our, our general tennis talk for the podcast. And let's shift into the main reason we're here, and that's to bet on this sport. We are a tennis betting podcast, and we like to be accountable for what we talked about last time here. In a segment we call What Do We Win? What Do We Learn? Match play wins at the ATP Rome, the Italian Open, wins. Derek cashed his plus one and a half sets at minus 120 with Runa. Versus Djokovic uh, talked about a rude lean and that if it fell under minus 140, it was actionable. And there were some minus 135s out there. So that came in. Losses. I lost the the, the four games in uh, 2-0 with Novak. Uh, I'm a 0 for 2 the last two times with the greatest player ever. So it's always a great feeling. Of course, the only quarterfinal that didn't hit the S1 under 9.5 was the one we chased it on with Rude Sarendolo. It was on course for that, actually, until Rude gets broken. Dolo, he gets a break back with a single break point of that entire set. Rude had two shots to keep it alive on her turn. But now, Srundalo faced multiple break points in three of his six service games, only broken once. It's fine, guys. It's fine. That wasn't tilting at all. A loss I forgot last time, two episodes ago, was the Wolf-Hubie set one over, which did not come in as we cashed the plus 110 for the set with Mr. Wolf. Uh, we were two for one on that match, so pretty good. Over in France, the Bordeaux Challenger wins. Stan Wawrinka, money line at minus 125. Cash it versus Andy Murray. Moutet, plus one and a half sets, minus 120. And money line, plus 210. Cash both those versus Dami team. Solid fade team there. Manorino Ramos, over two and a half sets at plus 155 was a lean, and that came in. Echeverry was a push on the three with uh, versus Kazoo. Losses, uh, my, my sprinkle on the set one money line with Jacquet versus Struff went down. Gasquet upended Kakanaka's pick. Emer took down Van Ash. Uh, over in Turin, Challenger wins. John talked about making a play on Lavagno, who won, and then lost with Gaio versus Carabelli as Carabelli retired, so you might got bailed out there. And then Vareas lost to Kepfer in three, and I can't believe this guy's winning matches. It's very annoying. <laughs> Whenever I bet on him, he stinks, but uh, comes through in the fade here. And that's uh, what we talked about last time here. John, let's talk a little outright here. It'll pivot us into the Rome semis here. Uh, but you have a, a Runa outright still alive and kicking. 
yeah, we yeah. talked about it on the very first episode. So hopefully people Jealous. told you on that. Where where are you at? Are you going to hedge? How are you, you holding? You stay in the course? You doubling down uh, potentially? I'm doubling. Yeah, I'm <laughs> doubling down this match. I, I'm writing it up. If you want it in written form, if you want it in, you know, if my I'm too scrambled for you going back and forth on talking points here, you can get it over at actionnetwork.com slash tennis. Shameless plug alert. Uh, I wrote, I'm writing up the semi. It's not there yet. Although by the time you listen to this, it probably will be there. So yeah, you'll be fine. Uh, I'm going to be on Rune again, Aruna here. I know that they just played last year at the French Open, and this is why head-to-head can get you in trouble if you don't contextualize it. Uh, Runa's a different player now. We saw that in the fall. We saw that big progression uh, come to the fore. Uh, even Casper Rude, these two aren't friends. And it's funny, I saw someone, a Swedish guy goes, I don't know if it's like this in the rest of the world, but in Scandinavia, when you when we say we don't send each other postcards at Christmas, that's equivalent of saying we don't like each other. I'm like, no, no, yeah. I think that's pretty universal. Like... Oh, you know, we're not right back and forth or corresponding. Is yeah, you know, these these two don't like each other. It was pretty clear at the at the uh, French Open. Of course, there were the rumors of them yelling in the locker room um, after that match. You'd think the Scandinavians would stick together. There's like four of them on the tour, but who knows? So it should be a fun match. But here's my deal. Here's my deal. Runa has a pretty damn good forehand. Maybe not as dimensional as Rude's because Rude hits with as much RPM as like you know Rafa and Gasquet kind of levels. Um, so it, it makes it somewhat unattackable, but Runa behind his serve, especially can dictate with his forehand, whether it's cross court, like he's not going to be scared of going cross court to Rude's forehand when he's on the offensive. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a huge mismatch here. The backhand is a huge mismatch, like massive mismatch. Runa has beaten Djokovic twice. Now you don't do that without having one of the best backhands out there. That's steady enough and solid enough to stick with Djokovic on that wing. Runa's done it. Uh, Zverev's done it a few times. Medvedev has kept him really close. I think he's beaten him too, but he can actually attack with it. Medvedev's is more defensive. Zverev and Runa can both attack and push back at Novak on that wing. Runa's one of the probably worst backhands you're going to find in the top 10 or 15. Not because it's like volatile or creates a ton of errors, but because you can bully it. Like you can absolutely put him on the back foot, pin him there, and there's nothing he can do. Right, almost like Sitsi Pass, but probably even worse because at least Sitsi Pass has like some sort of redirection ability on the one hander, and I think he can keep it a little more. He can get to the ball quicker, so that's a massive edge. The serve is is an edge to Runa here as well. The athleticism and movement as well. Uh, he's better at net already. He's a very different player, and that's something that Rude admitted on court. So in his last interview, he knows it's going to be a much tougher challenge. I'm going to double down here. I think you can take the money line. You can take minus. Well, it's two and a half down there at most books that I looked at when I was writing for for uh, action. Uh, minus 110, there's some minus 105s. I have minus two at minus 110. So I'll take that free half game every day of the week, that free push insurance that Pinnacle's offering relative to the rest of the market. But yeah, I'm going to double down here. Then if it gets to the final, regardless of who it's against, Haruna's not going to be a big underdog. He'll probably be a favorite against Medvedev. Uh, and against Hitsi Pass, I can't see him being higher than minus, or sorry, plus 115, plus 120. And if he is, I might just double down there too. I don't care. Like, take my half unit outright and take another unit on the money line. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not in this for the short-term gain. Otherwise, bad days would kind of put me, the bad days I have with high volume would just put me off of betting entirely. So I, I'm more about the long-term, and I do think that um, that I can hedge in the final if Hitsi Pass is, uh, is a reasonable price. If he, again, is minus 140, minus 150 against Runa, which he won't be, I won't touch it, but uh, that's where I'd rather hedge. I think you double down or or at the very least pass uh, and don't hedge the semifinal just yet. I don't think you need to. And I don't think the price is good enough to do it either with, with Casper Rude. Well, let's set the the scene a little bit here. But Holger Runa is minus 165 on the money line. Casper Rude is a plus 135 dog. The game spread is two. The total is 22 and a half. So pretty neutral here. 
Uh, and it stayed relatively flat uh, since open, uh, at least on Bovada. So not a, not a ton of movement head to head here. Very interesting to note, though. Rude is 4-0 against this guy, and it's all re- relatively recently as Runa is uh, a youngster who's kind of come on tour the last couple years. So he won last year in 2022 at Roland Garros. He won in Monte Carlo that year. In 2021, he won a Bastad and Monte Carlo again. Runa has won one set in those matches, so he's looking to buck the trend there. I feel with Runa, I'm just becoming a bigger, bigger fan of him every single week, and I feel like there's some favoritism going into my decision making here so i'm trying to look past that but like if you look at rude like who he's struggled i guess against recently he struggled against bublik he lost to arnaldi and sarundalo on clay and those guys typically can get a lot of or a good amount of points on their first serve so i think if you want to look at runa and his serve like uh, advantage here I think that he can get a lot of points on his first serve as well, similar to those guys I just mentioned. So I'm leaning Rune. Like I said, I'm a little biased, but I think the statistics kind of, you know, go with me on this one too. So, uh, yeah, I'm leaning Rune for sure. Runa? Come on, man. What the hell? Runa. Sorry. Did Rune? I say Runa? Rune this whole <laughs> time? I think I'm just reading things. But, yeah, I definitely know his name is Holger it? Vitris Runa. There's another word in there too. I I can't pronounce. Notskov. I don't even. Notskov Runa. Um, It's funny because statistically, Kasparud actually wins over the last 52 weeks. He's won 73 percent of his first serve points. Runa 72.6, and the second serve he's actually four points better than than Runa. I just think that he's got more to. I think I like his second serve more. Even even if the the win rate isn't there, of course that has to be kind of filtered through the quality of competition they're playing. So it's not complete data <clears throat> pardon me but yeah i do think that that i like the second serve the heaviness that runa has to keep it from from being uh really attackable and i do think that and, and even statistically he's still right there with with rude and then he's the better mover better at net and infinitely better on the backhand wing can attack see steady etc and a defense with it as well so i mean he's just got several things he's better at the serve he's about equal in at worst i still think you know dimensionally and and what he can do with it uh, there's a little bit more to that, and then the forehand. He's probably at a slight disadvantage, and that's if you know you're 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 just highly waiting. Rude's ability to hit with with heavy spin. John, maybe you could help uh, the audience out here and myself because uh, I I'm curious about your thoughts on this. But just explaining that the four zero head to head in this matchup. You know, we always love to throw context around those the head to heads. Um, but what specifically do you think Rude was doing in those previous matches that that helped him? I mean, not just win, kind of dominate one one set win in four attempts here for Runa. Yeah, I mean, well, twenty twenty one Runa to now was that was the cramping, injured, uh, not injured, but constantly cramping, lacked fitness. The forehand was still far from from being all that great, and it wasn't until the the second serve in particular, um, I I really didn't like all that much until Roland Garros last year actually. It was a match I faded him with, I think it was, was it Richard or, oh my gosh, who did he play at the French Open? Laxanen, Henry Laxanen, another Swiss, uh, very volatile Swiss with a with a big forehand, much like Alex Richard. And he beat him 2-3-3, three, and three, and then I watched the Gaston match, and he beat him 3-3-3. Three, three, and three. And I'm watching him play, and I'm going, how is he so unbreakable now? Like, how is his serve so dominant? And so I started really uh, kind of rewinding points on on the media player, whatever, streaming 
player. And I'm watching, and it just the heaviness to that second serve was really impressive. And of course, the serve is is what's come along a lot since he was 18 to now being 20 years old. And that kind of explains your Monte Carlo and Bosta, right? His physical ability. We he's cramped how many times in the in the last or since the Australian Open? Two or three, maybe less. Like this was something that happened almost every tournament in his losses. Uh, it'd be every three, four matches, every five, six matches, maybe. That's also improved. So the physicality is there. The serve has improved a lot. And I think the forehand steadiness, I think he's always had a bit of pace behind it. He's always been one of the best prospects in tennis, right? He's been at Muradoglu for a long time. This is not something new with him. Um, and any if, if Muradoglu is going to take on a prospect, there's promise to your game, right? He front runs a lot. And that's not a shot at him. That's He's just a great talent ID guy. And he's got the pedigree and the, the reputation to be able to go and tell the, the best kids in the world, I can take you to the top. Uh, and and Rune is one of those guys. He always had massive amounts of talent. The backhand is the weaker the weaker side for so many people. So when he was as young as he was with such a great backhand already, you teach him a forehand and a serve. Holy cow! Like watch out. And that's what's happened in the last few years. Even last year at the French, the first set was a disaster. It was clear the nerves and the stage were getting to Runa. Uh, was a terrible set. He actually comes back and wins the second and takes the third to a tiebreak. So. You look at the first two matches, they're blowouts from 2021. Look at the last two in this head-to-head. It's it's a bit of a different story, right? 7-6, seven, 7-5. Seven, that is the most marginal win last year in Monte Carlo. And then a four-set uh, match where Runa just starts terribly. The next two sets are like the, 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 the margin is razor thin between them. And then Rude takes it in four. Like I said, the improvement that Rune has had from last year till now is significant from 21, 2021 till now is even more noticeable. And I don't think Rude's improved at all that much. The backhand is still a weakness. The serve is still, you know, it's heavy and it's, it's tough to attack. And the forehand is what it is. There is, there isn't much room for improvement on that forehand, right? Because it, if he leaves it short, he usually hits it with an angle and it's unattackable with the spin and he can still rip winners from that side. So, the put it this way, Rude hasn't improved all that much since they met in 2021, and Runa has significantly. And I think that's what you've got to look at here. Uh, and the markets know this; like he's a favorite here, and he and he's a deserved. I don't think anyone out there would argue that Rude should be a favorite. If you see a handicapper arguing why Rude should be a favorite, their entire argument is going to have to be predicated on this head-to-head. That's it. There is no other reason, logically speaking, when you break down this matchup. Other, uh, if you're not going to, or or you can go with a narrative. Well, maybe he's in Rune's head. Rune's head. That's the only other way you can go about this is just make an assumption and tell people that that's your handicap. I, I just don't think you can logically get around the fact that Rune is a deserved favorite here, and the improvement is noticeable. We talked about this last time on the podcast about Rude's, you know, consistency being what really uh, defined his 2022, and and he really has not matched that at all this year. I wouldn't say that he did that in his two set win against uh, Sarandolo either. I mean, he had the break lead gave the break back was broken to start the second set of of that match certainly not the you know consistent clean casper rude he's still sailing a lot of stuff i mean i would say his rally tolerance is definitely going way up compared to um earlier this year but uh his accuracy is is still not there consistently so i i I, i'm I'm gonna side with you guys but i'm gonna go rude and money line because i do think rude is live to get a set here at minus 165 i think um you know, it's a little little expensive uh, for a money line play, but I'll take it. Yeah, see up here, I think we have a minus one fifty out there, which I mean, it just I I 
when I'm writing, because we use obviously, you know, Caesars and DraftKings and FanDuel and BetMGM. Those are the books that I think uh, you can you can use for the action articles. You can still price shop. There's still plenty of options, which is nice. But because Pinnacle's nowhere in the States and action's an American site, it's like, damn. Like, I, I always see, like, that's why I when I post them, I have to post, like, by the way, I bet them at these odds because I have access to Pinnacle and, and they often beat. I, I, you rarely see it this much better, though, because minus 150 to the minus 170s out there is is a significant jump. So if you have Pinnacle, if you're a Canadian listener uh, and you do agree, make sure you have a Pinnacle account. They don't pay us to say this. You know, they pay another podcast I listen to to say it. They don't pay us. And I'm still going to tell you to go sign up with them. It's minus 155 on Bet Online. So there's a 10 cent reduction there. Uh, but it's between the, the main two offshores and, and Bavada and Bet Online. Speaking of sports books, though, did get a cool promo here. Steven from the Slice Tennis reached out to me. They have a promo going with CoolBet, which we cannot use here in the States, but we do have an international audience as this is an international game, and uh, I can track that with uh, Spotify for podcasters. So there are people who will be eligible for this. If you sign up for CoolBet and use the promo code the Slice. Any deposit is doubled up to $200. Not only that, I have two extra specific codes that if you DM me, you can get $50. So the first two people to DM me, I will pass out these $50 promo codes. Everyone is able to use the slice promo code. Double up your deposit up up to $200. Follow at the slice tennis on Twitter, but they're a YouTube channel. Uh, They do great recaps of matches. Uh, They're sponsored by CoolBet. So we're here to be part of the tennis community. It was very cool for him to reach out like that. And, uh, and yeah, we're, we're growing guys. So that's pretty cool. Another Canadian too, by the way. Yes. They have a, a pod North of the net as a part of their network. Okay. So I'm looking at this potential thing with Runa and rude Runa two one. If we really think that this is going to go three sets and we do think that Runa is going to win it's plus two ninety five on Bovada. I mean, it's a little bit of de- degenerate bet. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, if you're feeling both sides of that, as in the over and Runa taking this in three, then it's not too bad of a look. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm going, if I were to look at uh, a different kind of, I guess you call that an exotic wager or a derivative, yeah. I suppose. Uh, I'd look at something at, at DraftKings. Again, as I'm combing over trying to write through, I see a market that had, you know, big event master series. They have these, different little same game parlays and i don't usually do them but this one stood out to me it's got runa to win Mm -hmm. runa to break first these are all individual markets you could probably figure out whether it's a good bet or not by the way just multiply all the individual markets together see what you get to Uh, and then under 0.5 tie breaks in the match and to me i mean like i said i have runa as the better player just doing a lot more well than rude i i just don't feel like I, I get that they both actually went a lot behind their first serve, went a lot behind their second serve, relatively speaking, over 52% and over 56% on clay are pretty damn good numbers. So I get that that's where your danger comes in for your tie break, but I'm just not sold on uh, these guys playing these prolonged sets. I think Rune is just a little bit more complete of a player right now and in better form. So to me, I have him winning in straights, which takes out a little bit of that, that risk because the more sets you have, obviously the more chance that one goes to a tie break. So if I, I have Runa winning in straight, and I like him to cover the minus two and a half, I think he wins by a break each set. That means if he's going to have more breaks in the match, it also means that he's more likely to break first in the match. Mm-hmm. I don't, like a plus 320 look there, I don't mind. Now, if I were to go over to 
Bet365. You're going to have to give me one sec as I go through all these uh, different props. The minus 200 for the under 0.5 tie breaks. You have his money line set at whatever 1.57 is. I'm going to go look that up real quick in Yankee odds. Minus 175, right? So I'm going to multiply these together now and just see if DraftKings is giving me a good deal or if they're ripping me off when I'm I'm taking this combined bet. And finally, Runa to uh, break first. I will have to come back to you on that as I look for it. Uh, No, there it is. 1.3, which is like minus 300. That comes out to plus 205. That is a significant difference. That's a pretty big... It feels like... It doesn't even say it's a boost at DraftKings. Or it might be plus 220 at DraftKings. And I'm getting the conversion wrong here. But either way, that feels like a, a boosted... It doesn't say on the page that it's a boosted parlay. But it certainly feels like it. Right? So... No, it is plus 320. Think about that. Uh, That same, each individual market for that bet at bet365, when you multiply them together, if you're to put them into a same game parlay, would be plus 205. You get plus 320 at DraftKings. To me, pretty plus EV wager. What about uh, breaks props here? Because I do feel like, uh, you know, both players are are live to to break each other here. Mm -hmm. And that's funny because... Again, the data, if you look at the serve data that these guys have put up on clay over the last 52 weeks, they don't seem like serve-oriented or serve-dominant players, but it's kind of looked like that. I I, I tend to agree with you, though. I, I don't see this being as serve-oriented as people think. Um, th- they don't have, a lot of places don't have necessarily alts on this, so they give you one number and that's it. On over two and a half for Runa is minus 190 or minus 195. Don't know if I'm going to that much juice and I need three breaks of serve. Um, at that point, you're looking at almost cheering for a third set, which I don't think happens. Yeah, it's minus 190. That's To me, that's a really steep price. Rude, on the other hand, is over two and a half at plus 110. Wow. Obviously, so- I th- yeah, I mean, I think Rune is obviously more likely to reach his number, but that's why there's such a discrepancy in odds here. You go from minus 190 to plus 110. I don't. I, I said I think Rune has a bit better of a serve than Rude. I don't think it's that much better to the point where the implied probabilities on Runa finding three breaks are 65% on Casper. They're 47%. I don't think the margin, the, the margin between their serves is, is that big at all. Is it, what's the, is there a total for the match? Four and a half at minus. Oh gosh, here I go again. These numbers are all, some of these numbers are too low for me to do on the automatic conversion. Uh, minus 165 for four and a half. I don't know if I like that. If you're in a straight sets match, finding five breaks of serve and paying that juice to get there. I haven't run official data on that just yet, but I I, I would presume I'm I wouldn't my numbers will tell me not to touch that four and a half. I almost feel like the under on that is not a bad look. Uh, I mean that that's that's implying. I mean you basically need a third set to get there, unless these guys just trade breaks. Right. What's the what's the under on that? Plus one twenty. Again, these are these. Remember uh, the disclaimer with all these derivative markets: the the margins or the hold is is much higher like the each ways a lot of the times are minus 120 for the for the picks at at bet 365 so disclaimer word of caution keep that in mind i think i'm passing on that i I was kind of interested in that market till they really have it juiced up and i honestly don't think there's going to be that many breaks Uh, i could be dead wrong as i have been many times on this podcast but uh yeah i mean the only the only one that really tempts me would be casper right and i just i my numbers just have like they like things 
that are correlated to the opposite of him breaking often, right? So it's like, it, it doesn't really make sense for me. The rest, I think, I mean, Holger Runa, minus 190. I don't think you can touch that till it's down to like minus 160, minus 150. Like, that's really juiced. All right. The other semifinal here is Daniil Medvedev versus Stefano Tsitsipas. Steph is minus 150, up from about minus 145 at open on the money line. Med is plus 123 as a dog. The game spread is two. The total is 22 and a half here. These guys have met several times before. Medvedev leads the head-to-head 7-4. Tsitsipas has won three of the last four, though, including two wins on hard versus the hardcourt specialist last year. At the ATP Finals and Cincinnati, they are split on clay. Steph won in 2021 at the French and Med won in 2019 in Monte Carlo, so not totally applicable uh, for the Med win there. Uh, I do think that 2021 is the beginning of Medvedev's ascension on on clay. Uh, you know, typically labeled as a, a non-clay guy, but you know, we talked about this in the timeline with the game bet match game bet match guys. Uh, if you look at his last two French Opens, not not a dumpster fire. Um, definitely a change from his early exits uh, in the years past. So Medvedev is definitely trending up on clay. He's been the hottest player on tour outside of Alcaraz. And I think it's, you know, Djokovic won the Australian Open, but for the most part, it's been Alcaraz and Medvedev this year as the headliners, I would say. So it's going to be a, a tight match here. Uh, I think with this clay background, a, a, a French Open finalist, uh, a multiple thousand winner on the surface, I think Sitsipas is a deserved favorite here. Where are you guys at on this match? Okay, John, you were saying in the chat the other day that this is the highest that Medvedev has been on clay in terms of public perspective, and it's potentially Sitsipas's lowest in like maybe last few years. Still think that stands with Sitsipas now that he's basically cruised through this tournament without dropping a set. I mean, that's that's the fun part is he there's the narrative that he hasn't dropped a set, but that I don't think that necessarily means he's cruised. He he looked mm-hmm. a little off throughout against Musetti. The Senego second set was far from from great. Uh, yeah, the agree. Board of Charge match, he was very, very, very good. There's no denying it, and that was a guy who had given him fits in the past. So credit where it's due. Uh, for that matchup. That said, I mean, I'm probably still higher on Pass than a lot of people. I just, I've, I've read some content or watched some content that are like, everyone's down on Steph. And I'm like, w- because he played a huge server in Madrid and lost to him. And by the way, he generated 10 times as many break points in that match. He was the better player against Struve, period. Mm-hmm. If you watch that match and you disagree with me, like, I'm sorry to let you know this, but you really need to start watching more tennis and doing more tape study before jumping into conversations like, okay, he need, he barely beat Dommy team who played up to that in that match. We're, I just, I don't see why we're so down on him. The Fritz result is the, is the one that stands out more than the Struf match, because if you watched him play Struf, uh, one, the conditions helped Struf keep that close Two, he outplayed Struf thoroughly. And, you know, Struff had to do what he did all week and, and save break points. Then this week, you know, Musetti's a good win. Chorch is a good win. Sonego with the Italian crowd against you is a decent win. He beat Musetti in Barcelona. Uh, Sebi Baez is is not the greatest and not, a, a you know, doesn't match up well with Steph, but, and it took three sets, but he beat Sebi, Sebi Baez. 
Hadi and Monte Carlo, who's a good clay quarter, albeit out of form. Crushes Kachin, who's like that 250 challenger tour straggling kind of guy. He's beating the people he should badly. And his serve has been dominant uh, since yeah. Madrid, really. Like his serve forehand combo is impeccable. And in the slower conditions, his backhand can be masked. I mean, people are still peppering it and hurting him there. But he's really turned this head-to-head around against Medvedev by doing one thing. And that's coming to net more often because Medvedev is just going to stand behind the baseline and wait. And he's and he's beaten him twice on. And someone said, and this is the funny part, because if we want to talk narrative, this is the best Medvedev has been on clay. I'll take issue with that uh, because he hasn't proven jack shit to me yet. He's won more matches. Cool. He got steamrolled by Marin Cilic at the French Open. The first halfway decent player he played. He wasn't even, he's not even good on clay and he's older. Uh, so I'm not going to, uh, if Medvedev wins this match, then we can talk about it being his best on clay. Who has he beaten? His best wins. Everyone goes, well, this is the best he's been wrong. His two best wins came in 2019 and a random run in Monte Carlo where he beat Djokovic and Sitsipas. He's beaten no one since then. He's beaten Zverev yeah, twice this year. It. Those are his best clay wins. Like Hampman, Zapata Mirais, Rusubori, Vavasori, Shevchenko, barely. And Sonego. I'm sorry, I'm not giving you credit until you beat someone better. And look at the two guys that beat him. Runa, bad, like easily. And Karatsev, big power, big serve. What does Tsitsipas have in abundance? Big serve, big power on the forehand wing. Plus, he's more natural than those guys uh, on clay. Not Runa, but sorry, more natural than Karatsev. And he comes to net more often. He's He started to game plan better against Medvedev in the last few times they played, where, again, I come back to the narrative of this is the best Medvedev has been on clay. I'm going to back him. Okay, well, how about this? The last two times the, these guys played, Pass beat him on a fast hard courts. Now we come to clay courts where he's got the gets the bigger boost. Like, if we want to talk narrative, I'll go to that narrative. And it's just as effective and just as valid as Medvedev being better than he has been on clay. Uh, again, this could be the best he's been on clay, but we just haven't seen it against anyone that matters enough yet to 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 really uh, reinforce that. So I'm on Pass here. Uh, until I see Medvedev beat someone elite on clay, that that's not 2023 Sasha, Sasha Zverev, um, who he owns mentally right now. I, I just I, I, he beats Runa, he beats Tsitsipas, he beats Djokovic. Okay, then we can talk. Until then, uh, give me the minus one forty five on on Tsitsipas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with every single thing you said about him. I mean, I'm a huge Medvedev fan too, and yeah, no, I'm not convinced that he's. Um, an established clay player, like some people are saying. And I don't even think he in his head thinks he's an established clay player either. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd like to see Steph win this one. Um, and minus 150 for money lines, not too bad of a little premium that you got to pay for this. So I, I'm in on Steph money line as well. Yeah, I, Like I said, this you- very well could be... Yeah. Medvedev's best. He very well could win this match and announce himself to the world. But yeah. until yeah. that happens, to me, a minus 145 is still pretty cheap for a guy who's far more established uh, on the surface and, and does have some pretty good wins along the way here in Rome, even if they weren't as dominant as maybe the scorelines would indicate. Yeah, this could be his coming out party. And he's going to play like he has nothing to lose, too, given his. Well, uh, yeah, he doesn't, right? Like, yeah, exactly. he's the underdog and he, you know, there's still this narrative that he's not the greatest on clay. So you're right. Like, he, he doesn't have anything. To prove, Sitsipas should win this more often than not. Sitsipas hasn't dropped a set so far here uh, in Rome. A uh, little concerning, though, in his last set here versus Chorich. Three double faults, 39% first serve percentage, offered up 20 second serves. 
uh, to Chorich, uh, did br- uh, break right and or no, he he broke Chorich first and then uh, and gave it back before ultimately breaking again. Right back, win. yeah. But four three Chorich breaks four four. He breaks right back. That thirty nine percent dropped him to. 48% first serve percentage for the match. I mean, if he's going to be serving like that against Medvedev, that's going to give Medvedev an opening uh, with, with some right. second serves. But, but that's not a pattern, right? That's one match. Um, he was 63% against Sonego, 63% against Borges, uh, even in Madrid, 68% against Struff. So that's more of the exception than the rule, right? The rule is is closer to 59 against Zapata. He's somewhere between 60 and 65 is his, you know, the average or the median kind of, um, serve for him. So, sure, if he serves 48, he's in trouble. Serves at 48%, pardon me, he's in trouble. We just haven't seen an indication that this is something that we really should be worried about on a, on a macro scale rather than just kind of a, a one set uh, point in time. I really look at that match with Zverev for Medvedev back in Monte Carlo. The choke match. Zverev and Sitsipas are very similar players. Uh, and he had met dead to rights in that match. Well, I uh, mean, except for the forehand where Sitsipas is like yeah. leagues ahead of, of Zverev. And why the I guess it's it's similar yeah, in the, the sense that each have too. one dominant grand stroke. The backhand Zverev domin- would dominate Sitsipas. The forehand would be Sitsipas dominating. Similar archetypes, I should say. He's obviously got the French left to to succeed on, but you would think with this clay season, Steph is a little unhappy with the results so far. Uh, so I, I definitely think the motivation side is with the Greek here. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm torn because I could also see Sitsipas just laying a fucking egg, and Medvedev, who's been, I mean, re- realistically, mentally, he's been steel. Uh, all year uh his opponents i mean he got outplayed in the final in indian wells he won miami i know those are hard courts but i'm just saying his general he was fatigued like they had that, that the runa loss it was like a marathon um into you know a marathon's Zverev match and then he was right back on the court i definitely think the mental edge is medvedev so that scares me for a dead performance from Sitsipas. but i'm gonna back Steph here I agree with everything that's been said, to be honest. You can still get a minus 145 on the money line on Bet Online. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you're betting on Medvedev, you're basically betting that he's tipping his scales in terms of his clay play. So I'd rather just stick with the guy that's already proven on clay, you know? I, I think that's exactly it, right? And I took to do that, to take that kind of ga- not gamble. Um, it's a guess. It is, basically. but. It's one of those things where if the price was up around plus 200 and and you believe in his ascent on clay, then yeah. I mean, it makes a little more sense. But when he's dead, what is he, plus 120, plus 125? Yeah. That's it's like that's that's really – that's pretty expensive to to bet on just the notion that he's improving on clay based on wins over, you know, Bernabe Zapata Miralles in three sets. Like th- that's not Stefano Tsitsipas on the other side of that net in that one. You know, beating Alex Zverev, again, who you own mentally – in another very tight second set. Uh-huh. Uh, that's like, what, four or five in a row that have gone five all uh, or six all in the in a set that Medvedev has won now? Maybe one in four, Zverev? Uh, point is, when it's a close set, he just he just seems to fold um, against Medvedev. So it's it that's the best player he's beaten in years 
on Clay, and it's a sh- it's a shell of him for- of his former self kind of player. And quite honestly, anybody beating Zvera these days doesn't really impress me. It's not really convincing me that they're a strong player, that they're a top ten player, or anything like that. I was like, I just don't think that Zvera's a top ten player anymore. So yeah, nothing real overly convincing here for me. All right, I've been ruminating on this as we've been chatting, and if this goes to three sets, I actually think Daniil Medvedev will win this match. So if you like Medvedev, I would play the two-one, and honestly, if you like Steph, the two-zero is plus one sixty-four. I think Sitsipas has to win this in two sets, or he will choke this away. So I'm going to go with Sitsipas two-zero plus one sixty-four for half a unit here. That's my official play. I'm pivoting. Print it. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Is uh, Medvedev who Sitsipas beat and when he Sitsipas did that stupid dance, the Sitsi dance? Do you remember that crap? No? Okay. Oh, these, these guys have I'm a history too, guys, though, right? I'm glad you guys don't remember it because it was the most ridiculous Sully I've ever seen in my life, and I just don't want to see him ever doing that thing again. <laughs> like, these two are the ones. This is the you shut your F up. Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, in Miami 2018, this is these guys thing. have uh, have some kind of like uh, iffy background story to them too, just like Runa and, and Rude. I think there's some. There should be some spice. There's at least one of these matches should get a little spicy. Yeah, he's a small kid, say, man. So. Can't stick up for himself. We've set it all on ATP Rome. I feel. Let's move over to some challenger talk because this is a pretty good matchup actually. That I, 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 I Tomas Echeverry is a minus one thirty five favorite versus Ugo Umber. Umber, I mean, I, I mentioned this in the chat, and this is something to, to talk about for his Roland Garros. Uh, I, I mean, it's all the draw dependent, but Umber is like low-key one of the best fitness players on tour. This guy plays forever. <laughs> he's played a million. I feel like he's literally like always on, always playing. He's always making deep runs, especially this clay season, even though you know, it might be challenger. Uh, but he he's always playing. He's always playing long matches. I think he played like an over three hour indoor match. It's uh, he, he was like the vac- you know saying the vaccine was was slow rolling his uh, his recovery or his return to prowess. But I think that's that's behind him. I'm just generally impressed by Umber here and how often he plays and kind of grinding it out here. Any read on this match? Uh, I do think Edgeberry is kind of blazing hot. And uh, it's a short money line here versus Zumbear. I kind of like Tomas to win this on the money line at minus one thirty-five. Yeah, I mean, I'm I trusted him after that stinker against Kazo because it was a spot where he pushed that match. How the hell with the defense that Kazo was playing? Then he comes back and he beats Ramos Vignolas by six games, covers that spread. Okay, now we're seeing the Echeverry I wanted to see yesterday on my four unit bet, but it was no harm, no foul. I didn't lose the money. We're okay. Skipped it that day. Oh, then today he plays Jan Leonard Struff. Now I had two bets, my write-ups, of course, the written articles that I actually put time in to write hundreds of words on uh, that cost me seven combined units on Borna Goyo and uh, Veronica Kudermetova. Of course, everything else went swimmingly um, because I only lost about three today. So uh, two of those guys, Ugo Umber against Gasquet. He closes, by the way, minus three. I sold off the half game. Um, instead of putting my full staking on minus two and a half at minus one ten, I sell off the half game for one of the units of the two and a half total at, to get to plus one oh eight. It closes plus one eighteen. Do do we just ignore Richard Gasquet's time on court now? 
against, as you mentioned, some guy, a guy, not some guy, a guy, the guy who has played unreal tennis for hours on end. Six, what was it? Six love, six two. Who the hell is out there betting Richard Gasquet off of five hours, five and a half to six hours in two days against a guy that has won the, the last 175 from Madrid's second week. And now he's about to win this one. He's not because that's where he's going to win. But he's into the, you know, he's into the semis here. Who on God's green earth is betting Gasquet there? He looked terrible against Emer. Michael Emer is just a pouty little bitch who pouts his way out after he loses close long sets. He just tanks out. Okay, that like I'm sorry that win is not good enough to to turn to to make me turn around and say I'm I'm back in Gasquet. Plus, Umber beat a much better version of an old right-handed clay quarter the round prior in Vavrinka. Anyway, that's hindsight. Uh, much like the Sibov people who are betting her who bet her down to three and a half, and I was when I was asleep, I woke up and started at five a.m. and Noshkova steamrolled her too in the second set. Like, who are these people? Why can't you bet this earlier so I can get a better price and I can get a free half game? Like, come on. Don't do it after I've put my, my big bets in. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that Echeverry is just the better the better player for me when he's on. Heavier ball, the forehand's big, the serve uh, works really well too. Even in that match against Kazo, he was dominant behind his serves. Uh, he got broken twice because he played two stinker games. I think one double fault in each of them. Both got to love 40. Uh, I think he saved at least one or two points uh, in each of those broken games before, before relenting. Point is... Uh, I think Echeverry should be around minus 140 here. I, I got a minus 125 out there. So I'll be on Echeverry, probably standard uh, unit sizing. But enjoy this week and, and look for some good angles coming up. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, in the next couple of days because there's French Open qualities. And then there's like there's going to be guys who are motivated to win a 250 uh, this coming week in Geneva and Lyon. And there's going to be guys who certainly are not. Interesting note here. These guys have actually played uh, at Wimbledon last year. I went to five sets. Uh, with Umber coming out on top. But Umber considers himself a grass player. Right. So for Echeverry to push him to five sets uh, at Wimbledon, um, I, I, I think pretty good data point here for, for Echeverry. Um, yeah. Undervalued servant forehand, man. People don't, because he's South American. He is still kind of a clay court specialist, despite a result here or there like that. People just assume that a clay court specialist means you're a pusher and you're a defender. I mean, he does defend decently. He does move decently, but make no mistake, man. He's more in the Varillas uh, and, and camp where he can absolutely blast forehands. That uh, has a strong first serve, and you saw that it can it can translate here and there. The comfort there isn't there. The footwork probably isn't there. But if he can serve and, and hit a lot of plus one forehands, he'll be able to win plenty of of ge- service games on grass at least. And you saw again, you saw that result last year. I don't know how much that that applies here, but. I mean, I, I still think Echeverry is a good play even without that. And then if you consider the power, too, from Umber, I mean, uh, in, in the two matchups with Tiafo, uh, three of four sets that they played went to tiebreak. So, I mean, the power isn't going to be overwhelming for Echeverry uh, in this matchup. Yeah. One other thing real quick. Uh, Alex Vukic on an absolute tear. Um, plus 130 against Facundo Diaz-Acosta, who had a miracle comeback against a weaponless kind of Moreno de Albaran today. He was down 4-1 and serving at 15-40, almost out of double break, then 5-2. Then he got it to a tie break and he was down 5-love in the tie break before winning it. I wasn't imp- all that impressed. I think like he's got a forehand. Uh, a lot. He left a lot short today. 
I don't think he was really dictating as much as he as he could have. There were like missed overheads and key spots from Moreno de Albaran as well. Vukic has like form out of this world right now. He just won a challenger in Korea on fast hard courts, flew across another continent to get to Portugal. And he said at a at to a reporter in Portugal, point blank, I'd rather go into RG Qualies a little bit fatigued with a series of victories under my belt than go in with losses and well and be well rested. He's here to win. This is the final on a Saturday. He gets the Sunday to travel and rest up. He might actually play his first rounder in qualities on Tuesday as well. So there's not going to, like, at this point, you're in the final. There's no tanking now. You're playing on the Saturday regardless. I just think he's got a great serve. His forehand is working. It's translating to Clay very well. And he even in that same interview, he said, um, was pretty clear that my team keeps asking. Everyone's asking about fatigue. And my team's asking. He goes, honestly, I'm fine. I expect to wake up every morning after playing all these matches in a row, falling over, right? Like, with, with spaghetti legs. And I'm not. And so I'm like, I, I I just don't think I stopped fading him after the first or second match. And I think it's probably wise to just keep backing him at this point. I, I don't think that he's that far behind Facundo Diaz Acosta. Of course, the surface edge, surface, not service, surface edge goes to the Argentinian. But outside of that, I don't think there's that much between these guys. I think Bukic is in better form, has more power, has translated his game decently to clay this year, kind of like his uh, uh, compatriot, uh, Mr. Popurin. I'd probably back with plus 130 here in Waydash, if I'm being honest. There you go. All right, guys, we've said it all for the tennis tomorrow. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis. Follow Derek at Forever's Nagal. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. And please do subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time. See you on the court.